0: and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome again to another episode of In Flow with Soul. Today my guest is Anne Merrill F- Feldman. See? Anne Merrill Feldman. <laughs> this is gonna be a good conversation, Anne Meryl. You're gonna going... think Ann Meryl the Pearl. That's okay. That. Great. Great. Well, First of all, in in the introduction for Anne Merle, I re- I want to start out by noting that she is a professor emerita, and I just learned that that is the female version of emeritus, right? So, a professor emerita of English at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Anne Merle is also proud to see seventy is coming right around the corner, and I am really enthusiastic about listening to your story, hearing your story about how you transitioned from a very structured professorship kind of a work environment to entrepreneurship. So what does Ann Merle do? She is a body-centered stress relief coach. She helps women over 50 live differently the second half of their lives so that they can say goodbye to all of that stiffness, weakness, fatigue, worry, pain, you know, those things that a body just doesn't want to let go of and can't move then as as the way it was made to move. So, Anne Merle, thank you. I am looking forward to learning about how I can keep my body going as well. Thank you for taking the time for this conversation today.
1: It's my pleasure. I am so glad to be here and so excited to speak to all the women in the audience who are Absolutely. over fifty.
0: Exactly. And and I don't. Maybe I should ask you. Do you notice or do you have conversations with women over fifty um, about making these changes uh, about how world looks, the world looks different, I think, so many times to those of us who have turned 50 and, and we're kind of looking back and we're looking forward. What have you noticed about this population?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we are an audacious group of women. Um, we came, you know, I was born in the 50s, whether you were born much later or not, as women, the feminist um, gift to us was that we could work, we could define ourselves, we could own our futures. Well, that turned out to be a mixed bag. We got to own our futures and our families and our parents and our homes. And and sometimes that becomes a bit much. And and the, the interesting thing is, when I talk to women who are over 50, it's not as though anything magically happens at 50. The same processes that are going on in 50 and 60 are going on at 30 and 40. But there is a flip, a switch that flips in our mind because we start to say, so many women have told me this, now I can look forward to what's next. Um, You're at that point maybe your kids are in high school. Maybe your parents are still relatively well. Maybe you have a spouse or you don't, but you're saying, I've worked all these years. You've probably been working since you're 20. And you're saying, at some point, this has to change, and I can maybe do what I always wanted to do if that wasn't the case for you. And I'll tell you a little more. I mean, I loved my job, but I discovered now It wasn't the job that was feeding my soul as fabulous as it was. And so once you flip that switch and you start to think, wow, travel, painting, fixing up my house, spending time with friends, anything simple or complicated, and then you feel your body and you feel your fog in your brain and you say, but now I don't feel as great as I thought I would right now, right. what do I do?
0: Absolutely. So what you're really talking about then, again, there's no flip that's uh, that, that's getting switched here, but we are looking at those promises, right? The promises that feminism was making for us that we can have it all. And, and so what I'm, I think I hear you say is up until about 50, we're doing it all. We're doing the family. We're doing work. We're doing kids and parents probably. And now at 50, if some of the kids and maybe some of the family responsibilities are starting to fade off, now we get to say, okay, I'm, re- I'm ready to, to, to claim those promises that the feminist movement was making for us back in the sixties and seventies.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And the women that I speak to, I call us and I am a prime example. I call us exhausted achievers Mm -hmm. because we have a special burden in that we have worked especially hard and we have achieved huge amounts of success. And yet, That makes it all the more difficult to see where we might go when we feel so badly in our bodies. We've always been solution oriented. We can fix anything. We're very big do it yourselfers. We learn, we're prodigious learners. And suddenly the solutions don't seem so clear. Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. And I really want to dig into that. But before we do, I would like to hear more about your path into entrepreneurship. I'm assuming you retired uh, to become a professor yes. emeritus. Yes. That, that assumes some yes. retirement. Yes. So you closed yes. a, a, an entire lifetime career of professorship in English. Um, what were some of the things that you were doing in that role?
1: Well, I retired at 62, but I started okay. this new life a bit before that. Oh, but it was, it was at 50 myself. When and I had just gotten married uh, for the second time, and I said, "Oh wow, I have a new husband. I have two new stepkids. This is going to be fun. I want this to be a blast." And and I didn't feel so great. I did yeah. not feel so great. I have pain everywhere and. But I'll come back to that. What I want to tell you about is sort of how I got there. I was brought up is so interesting. My mother was a court reporter and, um, you know, they sit in the courtroom, you see them typing away. And she was in divorce court, interestingly, or in family court. And she used to come home and say to me, Ann Merle, another woman lost her entire savings and livelihood to the man. She's left with the kids. And got nothing at the end of this divorce. And my mother had no idea she was married at, at twenty. She had me at twenty. She okay. didn't know what the big bad world was like. And she came home from work every day and said, another woman taken to the I don't know what you call it, <laughs> taken away uh by the decision of the court. The guy goes off, gets to have another wife, gets plenty of money, gets to earn mm-hmm. his livelihood, and she gets nothing. So she said, You go to school you get a job, you be able to support yourself. And she, pers- she persisted. And I heard that message. Sure. and So I not only went to college, I went to, I went to graduate school and got my PhD. And then did a job search and had 26 interviews and, and ended up in Chicago. And I was so happy to be in this fabulous city. Mm -hmm. And I began working in a position where I taught graduate students. I taught freshmen how to write. I taught graduate students how to teach freshmen how to write. I did community-based programs. Um, I ended up coaching a lot of graduate students through their dissertations because I found that even though they were brilliant, they needed support. There's, There's... you're told, you have this project, now just go and do it. Right. And they would find themselves not doing it and didn't understand why. And so they would come to me, and most of our sessions were not about the problems with the work itself, but with how they were managing their life, their lifestyle, et cetera. And I worked with freshman students. UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago, is an urban research university built in the center of Uh, just south of the loop in Chicago. And these students were the children of immigrants. And they knew that that their survival and their family's survival depended on them getting an education and a job. And they were so eager. And they found this new program that I was offering them fabulous. And even they were writing in community agencies and understanding how um, absolutely, um how absolutely thrilling the world of writing was when they were in a situation and to this day I see my students uh name flash across uh, publications on the evening news hour um oh wow you know yeah um uh as being the author of articles that are uncovering this and that so it was a very exciting job as a woman it was also treacherous okay I had to deal with many powerful male professors, deans who didn't always like my approach and wanted to silence me. Uh, And so I learned very early how to stand up for myself. But throughout all of that time, and I I published four books, wrote numerous articles, got grants. What I didn't realize was that I was building stress, uh, a, a whole cache of stress in my body. And at 50, I, here I was. I was well along in my career because I, I think I started at about 29. I started quite young. And I, I realized I was waking up with tension headaches. I had developed a nerve pain problem that I don't know if all of your readers will have heard of this called trigeminal neuralgia. It's one of the most painful diseases Known to man, way more painful than shingles. Hmm. It came in episodes and it was, now I know, it was contributed, the stress that I was under contributed to it. Nobody really knows what what causes it. I had low back pain and I knew I was smart. Like all the women I'm speaking to, I knew I had to do stuff to take care of myself. So I had a cross-country ski machine in my bedroom. I would okay. walk or go on that. I got massages. Even as a single mom before I got married at 50, I knew that I had to remain standing and functional. So as nice. a single mom, I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a budget for massages, which I thought were helping me. Turns out now, in retrospect, I see that it was really just a temporary band-aid, stress sure. band-aid. Um, I went to doctors. I tried to find. I found out I was taking way too much ibuprofen, which was eating up my intestinal lining and causing leaky gut. Oh, and wow. so by 50, I was really kind of a stressed out mess. And I, I right. put my head down on my desk and I said, here I am. I'm, I'm doing well in my career. I had published probably three of the four books I would eventually publish, and I was in a new marriage and I said this is not working something right. has to change it's, it's so many other women I talked to wake up at that moment um and I just started to I took my my language and English research hat off <laughs> and put right. on my take care of yourself and moral hat on and started this journey um, because i knew i couldn't live like this anymore. Right.
0: So, what tell me a little bit about okay, so you, you've got these medical conditions um and the one you're saying like they didn't really know kind of like where it comes from or how it, how someone acquires that condition. Um so what do you do then when the doctors say um i don't really have much to offer you.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, we, and I speak to all of my exhausted achiever spirits out there, we are solution oriented. So I did start yoga and often that's the, um, over the course of our talk, I'll say to you why in the end, I don't think it is the solution, but it's a gateway. Okay. It's a gateway to healing. And so I started, um, taking yoga classes. And I was very fortunate in that I found an extraordinary style of yoga that was not the gym yoga that's um, vinyasa that's typically taught or yoga with weights or yoga that looks much more like aerobic exercise. This was a a very authentic yoga and the teachers were extraordinary. And I became so excited about it that in my own exhausted achiever way, I became an advanced instructor. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> you know, of course. Sometimes, you know, I don't stop it just going to <laughs> classes, right. and it's interesting in that you think that when you go to a teacher training, and so many yoga schools offer teacher trainings to women over 50, and women love them and do them, you think you're going to find out the secrets. Of what you, oh, I might not be getting it in this class, but surely in the teacher training, they will teach me what the secrets are. But no, there are some things about yoga that eventually I will get to in our conversation that say, then you're not learning what you need to learn to pull yourself out of this funk. It's a great start. It's a great start. And God bless you if you found a great teacher. There's. Sure. Okay. So where was I, Mary? What's the next? So, um, so, so
0: you're taking. Uh, so you find yoga, and mm-hmm. you go t- and mm-hmm. take it to the the instructor mm-hmm. courses. Are, do you yeah. plan on teaching it?
1: I did teach. I plan to teach, and okay. I taught, and I taught women of all ages, and sure. the younger women were always. Um, they loved me, and they treated me kind of like a quirky mom or grandmom kind of figure, a very funky, wise woman. But but I began to realize as time went on that I had something really special to say to women my own age and that's who I wanted to work with. And this is where I did teach um, in studios around Chicago. I taught at Uh, moksha yoga i taught at uh, my own teachers had set up a studio that isn't there anymore i taught when harpo studios was in town uh that's oprah's film production studio i taught her editors there fascinating oh my gosh the the studio is no longer there these editors if you talk about what they were not over 50 they sure. were young women, but they their bodies were like they were over 50 because they were sitting at their editorial, at their computers, chopping and slicing um, all of Oprah's productions sure all day long. And were very quickly turning into uh, bundles of stress okay. and needed this so badly. And I taught all around um and then I began to realize it kind of, I kind of connected the dots from my earlier days. At the time I was finishing up at UIC, I was starting to design online courses for our students. Okay. Um, and seeing how, one, how challenging it was, but B, how it could be done. And sure. I began to look into teaching online. And so I began to, to sort of explore. This entrepreneurial world, because I knew that I needed to speak to a larger audience. I had always lectured to large numbers of students. I'd been at conferences and lectured to yes. a thousand people, and there's no reason I thought I can't share this, so I had begun to work online um, just a bit and okay. um, and and record courses, record workshops, and uh, work with various people like you, Mary, coaches who could mm-hmm. guide me, you know, mm-hmm. to understand what it was I needed to do because I am an exhausted achiever. And it wasn't enough to sit around and share my um, my pearls with my private clients or with my groups of students. I really thought I had something that I wanted to say because I'm not finding that people are speaking to this group of women that I belong right. to and the women I speak to there. And there's something very special and very different about our bodies at this point. Sure. Um, so, um, so that's, um, so that's how I started to transition a bit. It,
0: I find it interesting how, and maybe I, I'm heard you wrong, but it sounded like you kind of transitioned into this online training through the work that you knew through English, yeah. through what you were teaching and, and you learned it that way. And then you saw that as an avenue to, or a platform, let's say, to share this other message that you wanted to share with the women that you wanted to speak to.
1: Exactly. And it's, it's so interesting that at first I thought when I retired, well, that's done that's then and this is now but then I began to realize that I had skills that I could pull that looked completely different but at the basis they were the same so I began to write blogs and I began to develop an email list and I began to Um, get onto Facebook and more recently Instagram really Instagram is where I am now but uh, much more than Facebook Facebook is kind of the friends and family place and sure sure but um but the the ability to understand that I could communicate with a lot of women and that the fact that there's something special about this group that nobody is talking to we're kind of seen as so we've We've done this to ourselves by being so successful. Correct. And so impenetrable and such fortresses of accomplishment that people can't imagine that we need help. Exactly.
0: And I think sometimes we can't imagine that either. Exactly. Like so to to ask for help would say, Oh, well, I've put out this message that I've got this and mm-hmm. that I want people to see me as confident and Forward yes. moving, and yet inside sometimes I'm not feeling that.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. and and I have had, and so along the way, I studied, I took courses and got certifications. I studied um, various stress related um, certifications. I'm a Reiki master. I s- learned um, a, a, a course about the vagus nerve and how it can help calm the nervous system. Um, It's called the safe and sound protocol, but it wasn't until I began taking courses with Jill Miller and in particular, her breath and bliss course, Um, she does, she teaches restorative movement and self massage, but she works largely with elite athletes. She works with opera singers. She works with people in different sports. And I was even seeing that while her work was fabulous, and it was really a necessary counter to yoga, because, uh, for instance, I would be, I went to Kripalu, which is a a yoga retreat center on the, in Western Massachusetts. And I spent many, many days, um, probably about two weeks with in a teacher training with her to get my basic okay. certification. I've gone on to get many more. And she had nine assistants because there were so many of us. And of course I was one of the older ones, although there were five or six women my age. Okay, And they all talked about what yoga had done that wasn't helpful for them. The insistence on poses that our bodies can't naturally do So if you or someone who's listening knows this, because if you go to a a gym yoga class and you're trying to do down dog, suddenly your wrist hurts, wrists hurt. If you get on your knees and lunges, you, ouch, my low back, you can come away feeling a lot worse than you went in. Um, not knowing how to manage yourself through that class, so they talked about all the ways in which they had literally, and they use these words, come back from the dead in mm. this um, in this restorative movement framework. In that we don't do poses that were defined for people who basically lived on the floor in India, yeah. and we do peop- we we restore our bodies if we've been sitting in our chairs for oh, like me, probably ten six to seven decades. You know? Right. Right. our bodies have changed. And so I really learned then. I then I began to learn how to heal myself. And it wasn't enough. After I, I write about this in a blog on my website, I I had been doing yoga five years, and I promise you, I was doing it three times a week. I was at the head of my class because I was an exhausted achiever. Of course. (laughs) I accomplished all the poses, and the young women would go, Look at Ann Merle. (laughs) I got a frozen shoulder. That's not supposed to happen. I was doing this. I was doing this. I was doing everything. I was breathing, and my shoulder still froze. And what I can tell you now is that it was because the stress was still living inside my body. And even though I went to a yoga class for an hour and a half, three times a week, the other 22 and a half hours of the day were filled with stress. And I didn't know how to release that stress. And so the muscles and the nerves were telling my brain, stay tight, stay tight, stay tight. I could follow the instructor's recommendations in class, but I left it there. And so okay. I had to go further. And I began to learn about how to recognize that stress and how to let it go. Yeah. And it's it was it has been a journey because you always want a course, a big answer, a program, and what I found, then this is this is the this is my answer. So everyone listen up here, this is it. and it's so um, contradictory to to the way I typically think and live is that you learn to make one percent changes at a time. Yes, towards feeling the way you want to feel, and that happens every day, all day long, not in hour and a half classes, not on a blissful beach, not in a hot tub, those things are all wonderful, not on the massage exactly. table, they're all wonderful, a mani-pedi, a book club, it's a very different process for us women over 50, and can I go on for a minute here? Please, yes, okay. please do. The, the thing is, what we carry, stress is good for us if we have it in tiny doses. Like if you watch a okay. dog fighting or playing, they shake it off. That's right. literally what they're doing. They're shaking off the stress. We don't do that. Right. And what's, what was surprising to me to learn is that our stress barometer Is influenced by our entire life, especially our childhood. And that stress and trauma are on a continuum. There's not a big difference. Trauma is, I got raped. Stress is, my boss told me, if I want to be a full professor, I have to write and publish a book with the university press. They're not different animals, they're along the same continuum. And your know, what happens in your childhood is crucial. There's a a psychological a measure of that called childhood adverse experiences. Right. And I would have told you if someone said to me, "This, well, my childhood wasn't great. My mother was married at twenty. She did the best she could. I had a, I never was hungry. We didn't have a lot of vacations, but we never lacked for anything. I." My parents made sure I went to school dressed properly and um, that I did well. And if I needed tutors, they got me tutors. Well, not really the case. Now, my mother's turning 90. Uh, this okay. summer. She, these days, she tells me every day that I talk to her, I love you. But not oh. back then. Right. She was a stressed out young mother. I was her first sure. child. She had gone from her parents' home to her marital home. And she was nervous, smoking, had no idea what to do with the baby. And how would she know? Of course. No one one taught you. And so I grew up knowing now that I learned part of my exhausted achiever personality and modus operandi was to that achievement. Achievement was the way to love. It's what my mm-hmm. therapist calls love with conditions. And so when I would bring home a report card with all A's, I was showered with love. Sure. But other times not so much. So I thought, well, I'm I'm now going to be 70. Surely I have gotten beyond that, but no. Those right that is an adverse childhood experience that is an experience when you learn those patterns right um and your patterns might be different whatever your patterns are that's what you carry that's what is the 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 training that your brain learns to carry stress in your body so that now you're 50, 60, 70, and you're still doing things exactly the same way and still carrying those patterns around with you. And those patterns are like Velcro for stress. Yes, exactly.
0: It's interesting about the unconscious mind, right? And Mm -hmm. so the way that I often describe uh, what you're describing here is that, you know, as kids, we don't have the the, the frame of reference. We don't have the language. We, um, we don't have the resources to manage the situations that we find ourselves in. And, and I think, again, it goes to your, your continuum of trauma, depending on my, my perception of how, how endangered was I in that ex- exchange versus how how safe was I right on that continuum. And when we have those experiences, it's like our unconscious mind says, okay, well we're going to set up some rules here so that we never have to experience this sort of pain again. And I was hearing it earlier, like when you were talking about your mom coming home as a court reporter saying, you know, here's another woman who's gotten taken to the cleaners because the, the systems are against us as women. I, I could almost hear, see you, your little brain saying, okay, well, in order to be safe as an adult, as a woman, then I'm going to have to make sure that I have a job, that I can support myself and my family, and that everything you did from then on was to make sure that you would be safe and that you would have created for yourself a life that you that can't be taken away from you.
1: What a perceptive listener you are, Mary. That was <laughs> That was beautiful. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. I was listening and taking in those messages, and those messages were creating boundaries and um, a path forward that contributed to stress. But I never would have understood that I was doing what I was supposed to do, and why exactly. was this pain exactly filling my body? I just couldn't connect the two. Now, sure we. We know a lot more now about the brain, about neuroplasticity, about the fact that these are what uh, one writer, um, I'll think of her name in a moment, calls Grand Canyons in our brain. They are tracks that are there after decades and decades. And so what I learned as I went forward reading I'm a voracious reader and student of the body now that I've turned to this uh, and, and studying with experts like Jill Miller. We often think that mindfulness is the way out of this mess. Yet women I know just throw up their hands in complete frustration. I cannot meditate. The minute you tell me to slow down my mind and let my thoughts even sit over here, they start rushing in. And they tell me they are congenitally, (laughs) meditation is congenitally impossible. Right. So what I have learned is that the answer, the place to start, is somewhere that was quite foreign for me. It is. And, and so I'm going to say this. And then in a bit, maybe you'll give me a moment to try it out with you. Is okay. to feel in your body. <laughs> and I didn't know how to do this. I did not know how to do this. I thought my body was a machine. And if I just right. fixed the parts that were broken. The yes. shoulder. The face I had no idea what to do with, and I can tell you a little more about that. The low back, the tension headaches, the insomnia, the overeating uh, to soothe myself. Those were all the ways that I made myself, I, I tried to feel better, but I was not feeling inside my body.
0: Do you have any ideas about when we stop feeling like, when do we not feel anymore? Because I've had other women say this to me. Like, I, I just, I don't even feel joy. I don't, it's just a fleeting emotion. It's not even for me. I don't even need it.
1: Well, such a great question. And I think it's that we use our brains so much. We privilege our thoughts. I think so too. And it just takes over. We can think our way and we've been successful at it. There's reasons for us owning this. right. We can do things. We can solve problems, and we seemingly do that without our bodies' help.
0: Yeah, and then no wonder our bodies break down, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're not using this tool, this vehicle that we've been given in the way that it's designed. Not to any fault of our own. We didn't get a manual with it, right? Exactly. Exactly. But I also think that that goes back to what you're saying about women. Or, or anyone really who says, well, I can't meditate or I, I can't be, become mindful because as soon as I slow down those thoughts, those thoughts and those, those continuous thoughts ensure that I don't have to feel. So my theory is that we, we don't want to get into that meditative state because if I do, the feelings that I've been repressing probably my entire life might come up and I don't know what to do with those.
1: That's true and it's also the case that we are it's another just just another way to say the same thing that you so very eloquently said is we're we're addicted to stress. Yes. This feeling makes me feel alive. When I went to yeah. work, I used to sit in the front car of the train because I somehow thought I oh, would get there faster. I could jump off sure. the train and get quicker out the door. Um, I was in love with high-powered aerobics and it kept me busy so that as you say because we have a hard time even settling down for moments Mm -hmm. we don't know what to do with ourselves exactly and it leaves a a void so so in yoga you you will learn they, they will coach you through breath techniques but What I didn't do was learn them in ways that I could feel them inside my body. You almost have to take the breath out of the yoga so that you can pay attention. If you put your fingers together here, you try it, Mary. Can you feel your heart beating through the pulse of your fingers? Just gently breathe and feel. I can. Yeah, don't be frightened if you're listening and you can't. It just takes a few moments. That is feeling inside your body. Hmm. And I just want to say as a caution here, if you or your listeners have issues, if you're recovering from COVID, if you're a long hauler, if you have COPD, if you have asthma, sometimes your breath is not the friendliest place to go. It can trigger panic because you are not used to being able to take a, free, a full breath. So that's an area that you don't need to be able to do that to do this work. There are plenty of ways to feel your body, to feel inside your body. But this feeling of feeling the pulse of your blood, it, it, um, it has been given a name recently in the past 10 years through new uh, neurological research that now can be done with PET scans. The word is interoception. Hmm. You might know the word proprioception. Proprioception is feeling our arms in space, balancing. But interoception is the ability to feel the inside of your body. It is a very subtle kind of feeling. And I Mm -hmm. am still working on it. But when you can feel your heart beating, when you can feel thirst, when you can feel your heart beating in your chest, when you can feel something deep inside, it may not, you may not even have a word or a name for it, but you say, we talk about our gut reactions. Those right. are the feelings that I'm talking about, like something isn't right. We know when something isn't right and we feel it. Those ner- those feelings are 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 taken up by nerve endings, which go to the center of the brain in an area that is just being explored called the anterior cingulate cortex. And it helps to, I'm going to just go technical for one minute here. In the middle of the brain, it helps um, the communication between the front of our brains, which are so much a part of our exhausted achiever lives, our prefrontal cortex, which contains willpower and decision-making and organization skills, and our amygdala, our reptilian brain, which goes into panic. So when we're in this highly stressed out state, we talk about the amygdala can hijack the prefrontal cortex, but what we learn, 1% change at a time when we study how to feel inside our bodies, we are training this brain pathway to the anterior cingulate cortex, and that creates the possibility for your body to heal. That's when pain that is imagined, pain that is thought, but not really physically in your body can be unwound because you're training that neural pathway to feel inside your body in ways that it never has before. When your body is a blank slate, All kinds of things can, all kinds of pain can be manufactured up here and can feel entirely real. And that's the mechanism behind this breath or this touching. If you're sitting and you simply, or if you're standing and you take a moment and feel your feet on the floor, that's feeling. If you feel your butt on the seat not thoughts about your butt on the seat, but feel your butt on your seat. Those are beginning to up, to beginning to grow this capacity for interoception, which for women our age, we want to be able to depend on our gut wisdom. We want right. to be able to it's a whole nother area of wisdom that's that we need to we've known it's there. we've used it in key moments. I, I remember once so many years ago, my first husband was Japanese and he didn't know a lot about how things worked. And somebody said he was going to fix his car and asked him for the keys. And I put my hand over his and I said, don't. Turns out later, we Mm -hmm. found out later the guy was stealing cars. You know, I have no idea where that came from. But I just said, don't. And he listened to me, thank goodness. So, mm-hmm. you know, we need to grow that ability. And so this, so when we want to know what is our future, what what do we want to do? What's going to bring us joy? Yeah. Enhancing this neural pathway with very simple, simple techniques. The thing is, though, it doesn't happen immediately. Yes, right. It, it is a slow growing process. And for
0: overachievers, that can be really... Yeah. Difficult to wait for that, wait for yeah. those results.
1: Yeah. Um, Although I will say you feel right away, you do feel something different. So it's not sure. like you're, when, when does it happen? But to build that, I mean, we've been, we've been living with the stress for 50, 40, 50 years. Right. And now it does, it, and it takes this different approach. That's why I call myself a body-centered coach as opposed to a mindfulness coach. Oh.
0: That's yes. it. Uh, now I understand the distinction. Yes. I didn't even yes. touch that before. I appreciate yes. you pointing that yes. out
1: to me. Yeah. And I I know that many women I talk to don't, so I'm figuring out how to talk yeah. about that. It's right. a, it's a mysterious process, but but we have complete access to it. That's okay. Crazy.
0: So, I have a burning question from sure. Erica, a comment you made a few minutes ago mm-hmm. about um Imagined pain, I think, is the is the term that you used. Yeah. Now, I've I've got chronic health issues, and I think that if anyone would have told me that I was imagining my health issues, I would have at, reacted very um, defensively, right? Thank you. Yeah. So, so what what do you mean when you're saying um, an imagined pain response?
1: Well, the same neural pathways. Um, I can tell you about my trigeminal neuralgia for instance okay because okay. although the, the what the doctors think is what the neurologists think is that there's an inflamed nerve in the back of your brain maybe about because a blood vessel pushes against it and there are three nerves that go into the side of your face one comes here the trigeminal nerve branches off into three things and it comes down here and i and the pain is like I heard someone just say yesterday, like a cattle prod is being or taser being landing on your face. And that was real pain. There was a nerve creating pain, but there's also the fear of that pain. And so I knew that when I washed my face, I could create an attack. And okay. so I stopped washing my face when I had these attacks. And then I was very afraid to wash my face. And then, when I did wash my face, my body was much more likely to create that pain response. Interesting. And there are a lot of there you you may have heard of Dr. John Sarno. He is the um, the 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 founder of this way of thinking, this body mind way of thinking. With back pain. Right. There are many people who have back pain, but the doctors look and there is nothing wrong with their nerves. So I shouldn't have said, imagine, probably, but I could have said, learned. I could have said, learned pain. And so he helps people out of their pain by educating them first about how the brain works and by teaching them breathing and relaxation exercises. And so you learn to work with your body in an entirely different way. This is going to sound a little woo-woo, but you learn to befriend your body because we it's as Exhausted Achievers are controllers. We're used to making things happen. And so if um, someone tells me that they, are, they have fibromyalgia or they have chronic issues I ask them to lay down on their back with their knees up and feel the weight of their body on the floor and feel themselves sinking into the floor for 10 minutes. And that helps to shift the notion of I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain to, oh, I can feel my body now. And you learn to approach your pain in the way you'd approach a small child that I'm going to I'm going to give it love I'm going to say we're working on this together over time we're going to have to let go as opposed to doing things to get rid of it taking ibuprofen getting a cortisone shot right getting um even Going for a massage, which is okay, it's fine, it's temp, but realizing that it's temporary and that you have to learn how to do these things for yourself, little by little. Does that answer your question a bit?
0: It absolutely does. Um, it, that, and I think it, for me, I'm kind of going back to what we were saying earlier about how our unconscious mind creates these rules for us, yeah. and if our unconscious mind says this is pain. Right. Yeah. Whatever this is, whether it's touching your face or yeah. moving in this particular way, yeah. um, our unconscious mind is going to say that that creates pain for us. And whether or yeah. not that washing your face or making that movement literally um, in a physical way would create any pain is irrelevant. Your brain has already decided that there's pain there. Yeah. So, yes. so I think that we need to take that into account. It's not, nobody's saying that you're making it up or you're imagining it. It's not as, right. as a pretend. We're just saying your brain has a rule that says, if I do this, this is going to be painful. That's and a great
1: therefore
0: way to put it. Yes. we say, oh, let's yes.
1: not do that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. There's another thing that you had said to me in a previous conversation, and, and maybe this isn't the right time to bring it up. So feel free to put me off okay. on this but one of the things that you uh when the comments like so we're talking about you know getting into the body like the doctor is saying there's nothing structurally wrong here we we just need to really change this relationship to our body in a previous conversation you had made a comment about um i had to own i had to be take responsibility for my healing it yeah, I'm not sure I'm using the exact words that you used, but I hope I'm communicating the essence of what you were yes. trying to communicate. Yeah.
1: It is. What is absolutely, that about? Absolutely. I mean, I had always felt, well, I earned my money and I was very proud of spending it on taking care of myself. So I oh, sure. would get massages. I would uh, try different treatments. I would, but in the end, nothing worked as well as saying, laying down on the floor for 10 minutes with my knees up saying, this is a break. I can take a break and assess where I'm at. And we learn these tools. And one tool I learned from one of my colleagues um, who teaches pain management um, is to ask yourself, her name is Deb, Uh, on Instagram is to ask yourself when you're in your flow Mm -hmm. uh, in your exhausted achiever flow to ask yourself, can I do one more thing? Really? Not I must do one more thing. I have the next thing on my to-do list, but can I do one more thing? That's taking responsibility for your body and your healing. You're asking yourself. You're not asking mm-hmm. your to do list. You're not asking the project. Right. You're saying in a different voice, self, can I really do one more thing? And if I can't, will I stop here? Will I write it down for tomorrow? Will I do a, perhaps a portion of it? And um, so that is, and getting curious. Yeah. about how your body responds and learning to listen in a way that I never had and many of us never had. Right. When you're in that stress addiction on that stress addiction road, there is no stopping and listening. There might be stopping and getting a cup of coffee, but right. there's getting not some ibuprofen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's there's not stopping and truly listening and that is what takes you can only do it It's a 1% move. It's a 1% turn. I got that from a coach, Martha Beck, who I follow. I just love her work. Mm -hmm. And it's on page 225 of her new book. (laughs) Give her credit. That (laughs) that is such a great way to think about things. And it's such a great turnaround for those of us who don't think that way. Yeah. So I'm standing here now. I just, just stop and come inside and everything feels different. Mm-hmm. I say to myself, what's going on? And at first your body says, Silly, what do you mean what's going on? Get back to work. Right. But you learn to say, no, not you, not you, sweetheart. The, <laughs> other, the other me, the me that's been, the me that's been hidden away. Right. And not and, and and has sprouted in terms of symptoms, foggy brain, cravings for food, inability to sleep when you're tired but wired, waking up stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are symptoms that yes. you're that you're that you're not taking responsibility for your own body. So. That's why I kind of switched from classes to an ongoing program that women can join. And you know, that'll okay. be in the show notes, I'm sure. But I real but I have to just say I realized that I was offering workshops and I get have 50 women yeah. learning about how to revitalize their neck and shoulders. They might have kept going right. with that stuff, but they weren't getting that core message that you so wisely just brought up is that listening to yourself is where this starts. Mm-hmm. And it takes persistence and it takes time and it takes support from other women because we are so used to doing everything on our own. I remember one woman in my in my program said, really? I really don't have to do this by myself. She could count off all the things in her life that she had done by herself. Wow. And and so that's where we're at. With, beautiful um, this shift this this yeah, so
0: again the the also the responsibility, let me just check my understanding with with your ideas, um so often we're looking for things outside of us, mm-hmm. that, so if we're talking about our bodies, right, we're talking mm-hmm. about how do I make my body feel better, mm-hmm. I think we I'm gonna go out in here and say we've been conditioned to think. That if I find, go to the right doctor, get the right meds or the right therapies or whatever, that I can do that and it will fix this machine that I'm operating with.
1: That is and exactly that, right.
0: And so to to take ownership or take responsibility for that is to acknowledge that that is my conditioned uh, mentality or mindset around this. Mm-hmm. But then be willing to, as again, go back and listen to the body, what what is my body trying to tell me? What does my body need from me right now? And am I willing to make that a priority over my to-do list?
1: That's right. That's right. I had a private client once and she was doing great. She, I was coming over to her house every Friday morning, but then her daughter got engaged and she said to me, Anne Moreau, I'll see you in three weeks. I don't have time for this now. I have to plan no. this wedding. Right. And we do that to ourselves all the time. All the time. (laughs) Stress appears and we shove our self-care to the back of the line. Exactly. And, oh, I know this from personal experience endlessly. And over the years, in this little bitty way, I have learned that no, now is exactly when I need to pay attention to my body. Yeah, and listen to my body, and talk to my body,
0: and feel um, it,
1: and feel it, and feel it exactly, and 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 ask myself, and ask myself, am I feeling? Um, one trauma researcher, uh, Peter A. Levine, writes that the way we do this is by feeling for a moment finding a sense of safety, but we don't have to stay there. We consider it an island of safety. Then we go back into our lives. And then we come back again, when it's the right time for another moment of feeling and create another island of safety. And we then can move, hop, skip and jump across those islands to create a bigger expanse of that ability to feel safe. And he calls that Pendulation in the way that a clock pendulum works, okay. that we go we go to this island of safety, then we go back to our lives. Then we come back to the island of safety and build another little portion mm-hmm. and come back to our lives. It doesn't happen like a straight line, yeah. all at once, all at nothing, one course, one retreat, one you know it doesn't happen right. like that, right.
0: Right, exactly. And again, going back to what we were saying before, there's the doing. I can get all the knowledge, and I'm guilty of this myself, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go study and I'll learn everything um, and I'll even do it. But doing it for compliance or to doing it to say, to check it off, to say, I've achieved this is so mm-hmm. much different than I'm going to use the word owning it because I, I can't think of another word right now. Yeah. But owning it and being that change. Yeah. Yeah. Am I going to be the person who listens to and takes care of her body? Or am I going to be the person who has the list of here's all the activities that I've read that I should be doing to take care of my body. And I'm just going to go through the list to make sure I've done all of that. And then at the end of the day, or at the end of the week, when I'm still not happy with my body, then I'm just going to be mad at my body and say, well, it's I got a bad, uh, you know, I got a bad rap in the lineup here, I didn't get a good body.
1: I can tell (laughs) you have been there. I can tell (laughs) what you are, what you, the story you were telling me is exactly what my clients tell me. You have been there. You have that ring of authenticity. Thank
0: you. And Merle, you have shared with us today. Here's what I'm taking away. One is we've got this body. We've got to learn to work with it. And in order to learn to work with it, we have to start listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one lesson I'm learning. The other lesson I'm learning from you is again, that reminder, that 1% change, I don't have mm-hmm. to go out today and run a marathon as a, as an example, if I wanted to run a marathon, I'm going to start small. I'm going to start by running or walking around the block and, mm-hmm. and then expand that to another block and to another mm-hmm. block. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I go out today and just try to run that marathon, I know my body's not going to be able to meet that demand and I will be in an incredible pain if not damaging or actually hurting my body mm-hmm. so listening to the body and one percent change was there another big message here that you wanted to the
1: listening listen? part the listening part is really called feeling awareness. There's a technical term that Eugene Gendlin in the 50s, I think, coined called felt sense. And it's it's yes. hard to understand that, but that's what we're after. We listen for feeling awareness. And so when in a yoga class or in some meditative kind of moment, you're asked to do something, it's about feeling and not so much identifiable emotions it's something below that it's saying Mm -hmm. just connecting in the way that you would feel the an infant um in your arms the way you would feel the what they're feeling you know so it's yes it's listening and creating an ability to feel which is which takes just patience and softness and turning things around and yes doing it slowly at one, a pace of one percent which puts yeah. us in our places because we're such big let's go Absolutely. let's do let's accomplish this how fast can I accomplish this? right <laughs> so I think exactly. those are two crucial pieces yes I, I don't think I have any more right now
0: That is beautiful. Ann Merle, where can people find you to learn more about how they can listen to their body? How can you help them?
1: Well, I'm on Instagram all the time, and I have several reels where I do lead you through experiences like this in 30 seconds. So that's a pretty short period of time. Look for my reels. Uh, Uh, What's your handle? I'm at Ann Merle. I'm at Ann Merle. And I have a website, which is www.fierceover50.com. And you can read about me. You can read some of my blogs. You can sign up for my email list. And the best thing for anyone listening who wants to learn a little more about what I'm talking about is to sign up for my free email list. I, they come out like every two weeks. And I really talk through these issues. Um, a recent one was, is your self-care really just a Band-Aid? Or um, because often that's we we com- we yes. tell ourselves that we are doing self care.
0: Right. It's on the list, right? Yeah, but <laughs> checking it is, that off.
1: <laughs> but it is a band aid. It's not actually right. doing what we need to do. So right. sign up for my email list, and then and, and I describe my program, which is the Fierce Over Fifty Gathering, in which we meet uh, three times a month for live zoom sessions in which we practice this stuff. So it's not like a class where I'm directing and you're doing, we do a few things. I say, now, how did that work? And someone from the, someone pops up and says, my hips aren't moving the way you're describing, or, um, I'm getting a, a, a strange feeling in my throat. And so we're, we're working together in a workshop fashion, which you is know. what I like to do because that's the way we shift and change. So right. So I'm out there and I'm eager to connect.
0: I am so grateful that you had, that you've identified this message and that you have the, the spirit and the tools to actually share this message with so many of us who need it. As you said, we, we've we all been given this promise, right, of the feminine to have it all, and we've tried to do it all. And we've taken it all on. And um, as we get into that that latter part of our lives, let's do this in a way that we bring a body along that can help us enjoy what is coming next.
1: Um, that That's is... That's what I want for you and for each one of your listeners is to be Absolutely. able to do what you dream of doing in a body that can take you there vibrantly and with yes. excitement.
0: Yes. Connection. That's what life is about, right? Mm-hmm. Being there Absolutely. to enjoy it all and to feel it all.
1: Absolutely. And to feel it. Absolutely. So thank you so all
0: much. Right. Thank, thank you. you. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you again. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.